In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum. This is The Conviction Project, a podcast where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. My name is Maraj Rana. And I am Farhan Iqbal. Muhammadur Rasulullah, 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Rabbi salli ala nabiyika daiman li hadhi dunya wa basin You know, before uh, we begin, uh, I would just like to take some time and wish all of our listeners a very happy Eid, uh, Eid Mubarak to everyone who's listening. Um, you know, we're, and I'm with the end of Ramadan and the end of Eid as well by now. Uh, I'm very, very pleased to announce our first guest speaker. You know, many of you that were listening had said that you were interested in hearing someone else other than um, Murabi, Farhan Iqbal, uh, Zayb, and I. So, you know, we thought, okay, well, why not bring someone else? So we are joined today uh, by our first guest speaker. I'm very honored um, to welcome uh, Dr. Tusif Khan Sahib. Um, for those that aren't acquainted with the Urdu language, sahib is just a term that's given um, as, as a sign of respect. It's kind of like sir. Um, so if you do hear that, that's probably what it is. So, you know, I've known um, Dr. Lucif Khan for, I think, about four four years now. Um, and he... He's been typecasted in one way, so he is now known as the guy, the honey guy. And, uh, you know, people who are often typecasted don't really like that experience of just, you know, having that one role that defines them. So I thought we'd first start, uh, before we get into kind of like the actual meat of things, uh, just to hear from uh, Dr. Tosif Khan that, you know, uh, what, what what do you do? What's your research? I, I know those of you that are listening might hear his British accent. So uh, I want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, what is your uh, research background? Uh, what's brought you to Canada and all those things? Yeah. Assalamu alaikum, Maharaj. Jazakallah for inviting me to this uh, program. Um, and first of all, I would like to say Eid Mubarak to you. Uh, to Murabi Farhan Iqbal Saab and to all our listeners. Um, so Eid Mubarak everybody. Uh, today is a, uh, is the day of Eid and a celebration. And uh, it's also a day that we are doing this program. So about me, um, I am a, uh, I'm a researcher. I'm, uh, I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Toronto doing research on honey and its health effects. Um, this research was a task that was given to me by Huzuri Agdas Aidallah Ta'ala bin Isra Laziz and uh, I've been working on it for a, a few years now and uh, I, I did my PhD at, in a, the United Kingdom and then I came here uh, to pursue research in honey and also other sweeteners also because when Promised Messiah Islam uh, uh, wrote about honey uh, or said some uh, about honey he also contrasted it with sugar and said that sugar 
can have deleterious effects with honey because it is made by the bees uh, via a revelation of Allah. So it must have uh, good effects and uh, the sugar itself would not have those effects. So I'm looking at the contrast between honey and sugars. But I'm also looking at other areas of uh, research related to uh, which are mentioned in the Holy Quran, but very little research has been done on it. For example, what are the effects of fruit? The Quran says that you should drink before you eat. Uh, it, it, um, there is an indication that uh, people in heaven will eat fruit before they eat meals or meat. But we do the opposite. We eat our meals and then we eat fruit as a dessert. So uh, is there a benefit of eating fruit before? Uh, then there are other questions regarding various fruits that are mentioned in the Holy Quran, the benefits of milk. Uh, then also the Quran, when it talks about various deleterious uh, things, for example, alcohol. It, but the Quran, the, the beauty of Quran is it never outright says that this thing is totally wrong. It always gives the whole meaning. It gives the it. If there is benefit in it, it also mentions that. And everything that Allah has created has some benefits. So alcohol has some benefits. So I'm also looking at the effects of alcohol uh, um, and uh, how, if combined with other lifestyle factors, does it affect uh, your health. So this vast area of research, but mainly my research is on honey. The problem with honey is that very little research has been done on it. And most people do not um, understand one point. And the, what they do is they take a supermarket honey, then try to re do research on it. That honey has been mixed with so many honeys. And the Holy Quran says, It is of different hues or different colors or different types. Those types come from different flowers. And then the Holy Quran says, Therein is a cure for men. So, uh, actually, the honey from different flowers has different effects. And when we mix them, we probably lose that effect. So what we have to look at is at the honey of different flowers and how those honeys have any beneficial effect. You know, that's very fascinating research because I think the, the crux of your research is based on consolidating science and Quran. You know, what's the actual reality on the ground and what's something that the Quran has said and building a bridge between the two of those things. And, you know, I would love to spend more time talking about uh, your research. I have so many questions that I think that would be interesting, but maybe for another show, we can uh, definitely talk more about um, that. But sticking on maybe this for many, uh, many other shows, many other shows. Yes. Yeah. So may. Uh, so, you know, I'm thinking about this idea of consolidating science and Quran. And I, I guess this comes to the reason why we gathered today was um, to talk more about um, a project that the two of you have been working on. Um, so, uh, Farhan, do, do you want to start with saying a little bit about this project? And then I can ask you some questions as they come up uh, regarding uh, this project of yours. Yeah, so... Um... This project uh, that you have mentioned is uh, something um, that uh, basically was conceived a couple of years ago. Um, what happened is that uh, uh, I, I knew a, a person uh, who is now dise diseased. Uh, his name is uh, Nabil Qureshi. And uh, uh, personally, I, I like to do... Uh, 
I like to study Christianity and I like, uh, I have an interest in uh, uh, studying the the New Testament uh, and also the Old Testament, but um, I try to study them from their original languages as well. And I try to explore their, uh, you know, the message of the Bible uh, more in depth. And uh, in my research, I eventually came across a lot of evangelical Christians, including Nabil Qureshi, uh, who was an interesting person because uh, he uh, was an Ahmadi Muslim. And uh, he was, in fact, uh, planning to come to Jamia Ahmadiyya, Canada at one point. Uh, and if he had come, uh, I mean, who knows? He, he would have been my classmate by, by uh, you know, he would have been my, because he's my, the same age as, my, as myself. So an interesting person, and, but he eventually ended up not going to Jamia. And then later on, he converted to Christianity based on some of uh, the, whatever studies he did or whatever interactions he had with Christians. It's a long story. Uh, but to, to put it shortly, uh, I, I, I became acquainted with him a few years ago. And uh, we had a lot of online debates um, and uh, discussions. We met a couple of times when he was on tour in Canada. And uh, at one point when he was on a tour, uh, I was not able to join him, but uh, Tosif did. And uh, this was a, I believe this was a program in a church. And uh, uh, that, that's where he was promoting his latest book, which is Answering Jihad. Am I right? Yes. That's the book, right? So he, he was there. So the, the little bit of a story behind this book, I, that's what I wanted to talk about in today's, today's podcast. What happened is, if you remember, uh, uh, I don't know whether it was 2016 or was, uh, was it, was it 2016, 2016 when the Paris attacks happened at the concert? And uh, in fact, Marij, you, were, uh, you, uh, you recall that we recorded a video response as well at that time. I remember. Uh, yeah, you remember, right? So there was this uh, video that was released by Nabil Qureshi and other uh, Christians uh, who were talking about it and really bashing Islam or really saying that this is a this is extremism that has uh, that is affecting uh, the uh, the Muslim world, and that's when he came up with this video where he really strongly criticized the Quran. Right. And we responded to that in a video as well. And then later on in the, the month of December of that year, right, he decided to write this book. And that book within a few months was out in March uh, of uh, 2017, was it? I think the Paris attacks happened in November 2015 yes. and the book came out in 2016. Exactly. So the Paris attacks happened in 2015 in November and uh, in, in 2016, March, the book was already published. And the interesting thing about this book was it was a top seller on Amazon. And uh, in those days, uh, promoting his book, uh, Dr. Qureshi came uh, to Canada as well. And, and, and Dr. Tosif attended, along with some other friends, uh, one of his church events um, where he was promoting this book. And uh, on a phone conversation right after the program, I recall talking to Tawseef and I said, you know what, This we, we need to respond to this. We, we are members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat and our Jamaat has always taught us that if there is an attack on Islam and the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
not in the physical sense, what we're talking about in the in the intellectual term, sense. In, in, in the intellectual sense, in the academic sense, we need to respond to that, right? And um, right there and then we said, okay, let's do it. We put together a team, and uh, Dr. Tosif will tell you next what happened next. So yeah, to tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. Uh, so it was interesting. To, so I will just go back to the uh, actual. Uh, uh, book so the book came out and we we had heard about the book and i think uh, uh, faran sahab uh, told me about the book and then uh, nabil qureshi went on a, on a on a tour or a book tour in north america and uh, he was coming to uft so he actually advertised it said uft but it was actually a church uh, near uft so we went there uh, not to listen to him like not to uh, uh, to to listen to actually what his arguments are uh, at that time because I think the book hadn't come out yet and uh, we we didn't have access to the book yet and also uh, what what can be our responses so he gave a very the the talk was quite uh, while uh, I would say that the points made against uh, Islam they were old age old arguments against. Uh, the Holy Quran, the life of the Holy Prophet وسلم, and the historical aspects of um, Islam are uh, misconstrued and shown as like Islam is all about j- violent jihad. Could you give an example? So he said, uh, for example, he said that violence and offensive jihad is commanded in the Quran and we found we find corroborating evidence of it in the life of the Holy Prophet uh, uh, وسلم, and he says that if Muslims go to the foundational texts they would find the same thing. And uh, it Islam only offers salvation if you die waging war. And I think this was his thesis also. Yeah. Like um, this has been his thesis through through many lectures that I've heard of uh, Dr. Qureshi speaking that Islam is inherently a violent religion. That's what his arguments are always about. And that book that we have referred to, Answering Jihad, also argues the same, that inherently, fundamentally, uh, the Quran is a violent book. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace be upon him, is a violent prophet. Nauzubillah, and uh, inherently, at the fundamental level, if you go into the original sources of Islam or the life of Prophet Muhammad, you would come across this. And he was trying to argue that thing that these groups like ISIS or uh, Al Qaeda or whatever other terrorist groups are out there. They're following the original teachings of Islam. That was the, that was his main argument. Please yes. Continue. Yeah. So he made the same arguments in the in the lecture, and I remember we uh, we were four or five khudam uh, um, who went there, and uh, we actually then at the end question answer sessions we raised these points. So I we we wrote some points and we we asked him. For example, he presented verses of Surah Tawbah. He said, "Okay, so Surah Tawbah is so a disavowal, meaning that." All treaties are gone, and now Muslims are uh, should just wage war against everybody, and whoever they see disbelievers, they should start killing them. I said that is actually not correct. Can you read the verses, the the verses after the verse you actually recited? And he refused to do that. Mm. And and then when I insisted, he actually read it out and he tried to then wiggle out. Oh, no, they actually means this and actually means that. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we asked the question, when we sat back uh, after he tried to uh, answer in his own way some members of the same uh, uh, ch- of the lecture came to us and told us, you are right and Nabil Qureshi is wrong. 
So uh, even within Christians, there were people who said that this guy is actually making points which which actually are not correct and right. and, and 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 represents Islam totally wrongly. Mm-hmm. So after that, I uh, I remember calling uh, uh, Faran Sahib and he had an interaction with Nabil Qureshi before. So we just decided, Faran Sahib suggested we should actually write an answer. So we obtained the book and we read through it very quickly and we found that the arguments are very old, very, um, there's nothing new here, uh, but they're presented in very easy manner. So in a sense, uh, anybody is a short book, anybody can read it in one or two settings mm-hmm. and they will get a feel of Islam which is totally wrong but also it 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 is aimed at the young audience and we said that this is why we should have a response to it because we uh, some of the books on Islam do not answer these questions in totality uh, the Prophet Islam has but then you have to find all those references so we said we will go through his arguments one by one and answer them so you know it sounds like that he presented a very sensationalized view of Islam which often happens in my experience that a lot of people they like to give something brief because I think we live in a current time where things have to be really brief you know we live in this snapchat 10 seconds uh, Twitter 140 characters now it's 280 so I wonder, you know, what big difference that will make. But I, I'm curious because I have also listened to various, um, you know, allegations against Islam about jihad. And one thing that's always stuck out for me, I thought, you know, I'd ask this, this question to the two of you, is um, Ayan Hershey Ali. Uh, she makes this argument that prior to um, migration to Medina, Islam was all about peace and love and, you know, it was just all about, you know, practicing your faith and practicing, um, you know, connecting with God, giving to the poor, you know, it was all things that if we heard today, it would be a very compelling argument. Now, post-migration to Medina, she says, and I'm sure Nabil Qureshi also talks about similar things because it's an age-old, uh, age-old uh, allegation, post-migration everything changed. Everything became more about violence and it became more about, you know, uh, striking terror because that's when all the wars started to happen. So that's when she said, you know, a political Islam, as she calls it, emerged. So there was spiritual Islam, which was, you know, prior to migration. And then post-migration is political Islam. And political Islam has had such a profound effect to the world that we are still living in the political Islam era. So I'm curious to hear, what would you say to an argument like that, which basically breaks Islam down into two categories? Because I'm sure you talked about this in your book, so I'd be curious yeah, to hear. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's the same arguments. Uh, uh, Nabil Qureshi also made the same arguments. Um, before I get to the question, I actually wanted to mention quickly here also that uh, Nabil Qureshi uh, was diagnosed with cancer and later on he passed away. And um, out of respect for the family, out of uh, respect for uh, for you know their their loss, um, I, I took some time to to uh, to not talk about it, and uh, we have given them their space. And um, uh, you know it has been a f- quite a f- number of months now uh, that uh, this happened. And uh, we w- w- while we are talking about him, it's uh, it's in a very academic sense. And uh, I do have great respect uh, for all of his family members, many of whom are 
Ahmadi Muslims and well known in our community, um, and uh, we have great respect for him. And um, of course, when we when we mention his name today or any other person's name, it it is still out of respect. But uh, we have to respond academically to some of the questions that have been raised by them. And uh, the fact is that uh, Dr. Qureshi's books and his criticism of Islam are still online available in so many places, and we have to respond. So coming to your question, uh, Maraj. Um, uh, Dr. Qureshi, he, he argued the same thing. He, he said uh, there is an escalation of uh, violence in Islam. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, when the Muslims were small in number, uh, they couldn't fight, uh, they didn't fight. But when, when they, the migration happened, their numbers started growing and uh, they started fighting. It, it sounds like a very simplistic Actually, it is it is a very simplistic um, version of what actually happened. It's one that makes sense. It, it 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 makes sense because it's it's very appealing to and and it's like yeah sure. So the wars started happening after they moved to Medina, but the reality is quite different. The reality is that even in Medina, for a year and a half, the Muslims did not fight, did not uh, fight back. Um, they only started fighting when they were absolutely cornered. And uh, the Quraysh of Mecca, they started instigating the tribes around Medina, and they started saying, sending threats to the people in Medina, and they started doing a lot of uh, provocative things. Uh, they could have let the Muslims alone, and okay, fine, Muslims have moved to Medina, that's fine, we won't bother them, we have nothing to do with them. But the Quraysh didn't stop there. They instigated the tribes around Medina, they, they sent threats to people in Medina, until uh, Muslims were granted permission by God to only fight in self-defense. And that's when a few of the wars happened where they had to fight in order to defend themselves. And the interesting part that we discovered, um, uh, Tosif and I, in our book, is that when we wrote a response in our book, we, we came across the fact that the, the converts to Islam actually did not happen during those years when there was fighting. The converts to Islam actually happened. The, the numbers really increased exponentially after an event that is known as the Treaty of Hudabiyah, the peace treaty that was signed between Muslims and the Quraysh. And that peace treaty was also really, really unfair to the Muslims, but the Muslims signed it anyway because they wanted peace. And then after that, the number of converts just grew exponentially because now the Muslims could preach their faith quite freely, right? And so, you know, it's, 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 it's wrong to suggest that when they went to Medina, their numbers suddenly became so many that they started fighting, right? The first war that happened, the Battle of Badr, the big one, um, the, the Muslims were like only 313 and the Quraysh were more than a thousand, right? Yes. So, so, so some people say, and I'll pose this question to you that, um, well, I have two questions, but I guess I'll ask the, the first question which comes up is that if... In Islam, um, you know, there was peace, there was a peace treaty. Wouldn't it be more likely, and I'm not suggesting this in any way, but I'm thinking from like a devil's advocate perspective, that wouldn't it be more likely that someone would say, hey, you better convert or else, you know, we're going to start war. And you don't want war because we've just had war for a very long time. And now that we've had this treaty and things have been going well, you better convert or else... You know, war is going to start again, and nobody wants that. I'm reminded of, you know, how, how the world was uh, post-World War One. 
you know, um, Hitler started to do all these things. And I remember Winston Churchill, or I remember reading, I don't remember because I wasn't there, but I remember reading that Winston Churchill, you know, it, it was very much an appease only thing. Oh yeah, let him do it. Let 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 him let him do whatever he needs to do, um, so that you know we don't have war again. There was this great fear of having war again, and even when World War II started, nobody really wanted to go there because some of the people that had lived through World War One didn't want to come back. So in that way, one could say that you know post World War One there was a lot of peace, but in reality, behind the scenes, there was a lot of things that were going on. So. Could a parallel be drawn? And I'm sure many academics would draw that parallel with Islam. And what would you say to something like that? Uh, that's an interesting question. And I think uh, this assumes a duplicity uh, on part of Muslims, that Muslims would have a peace treaty and then behind they are preparing for war. That actually is totally incorrect. If you read through uh, the Holy Quran, the verses related to treaties, related to warfare, you will see consistently one message. Muslims and Muslims are commanded not to be duplicitous. Could you explain that a little bit? What Meaning that, mean? that Muslims would, when they do it, when they have a treaty, they will honor it. When they are attacked, they will defend. Uh, but they would not do it in guise of something else. For example, they will not uh, pass a treaty for okay, we want a treaty now because we are weak, so we will. Uh, we will we will make an army and then we will just break off the treaty and attack. That is not what Muslims do. And the history of Islam and the life of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is a testament to it because he wanted peace all the time. He never wanted war. The war was imposed on Muslims and the war was self-defense, in self-defense. The Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam only wanted others to learn about the true Islam, about God and he wanted to invite them to Islam through peaceful means. War, he never wanted war. And if you notice, if if, if war was his reason, then uh, there is no example that can be given of the Holy Prophet ﷺ ever coercing somebody with a threat of war of converting or con uh, forced conversion of any prisoners of war or of their relatives just because they fear war. No, that never happened. Uh, and... Uh, uh, the, the the treaties that that were done were for peace. The Holy Prophet was so happy to sign the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, even though the, the 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 points were not in favor of Muslims. The treaty was not in favor of Muslims. It was a, a, a heavily in favor of the Quraysh. But the Holy Prophet agreed to it just because it 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 uh, it uh, promised it expressed uh, a a time of peace where the Holy Prophet can be, the Muslims can be free to actually propagate Islam properly. And actually, as, as Faran uh, uh, Saab said, after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, when the peace actually established and the Quraysh start, stopped doing their uh, all these things that they were doing, like attacking and, and, uh, and Muslims had to defend, after that time, the number of Muslim converts exponentially increased. That was the time when uh, these, uh, uh, a lot of kings were invited to Islam. Um, so, so I think if you read our book, we have actually addressed this question: that what was actual uh, uh, the how the treaties were 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 uh, what, what do they mean in Islam, and how do Muslims actually react to and what is actually true jihad, and how do they react to violence, and how do they react 
when they are peace because the actual aim of islam is peace yeah uh, so we actually coming close to the end of our discussion today um just wanted to mention that the book uh, that we had a chance to write it's called in understanding islam dispelling myths about violence oppression in islam you know that's the subtitle uh but the name of the book is understanding islam and uh, me and tasif uh, were the writers but we also had other people who contributed whole sections to it uh we had um uh, molana zahid abid sahib we had uh uh Maulana Sarjeel Ahmed Saheb we had uh, Haseeb Ahmed Saheb you know these three guys were uh, big contributors uh, uh, so it's, it's it was actually a team effort we had Tahir Nasser uh, in the UK he also uh, sent us a section uh, some interesting questions have been responded to uh, 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 to these questions uh, uh, some interesting answers have been given and uh, we would love to have you read it and uh, and uh, give us some uh, ideas some feedback as well for future projects and uh, this book inshallah uh, with the permission it was written by by the way it's written by the permission of his holiness hazrat mirza masrur ahmed the khalifa of islam may allah be his helper and uh, it is uh, going to be published at uh, jalsa salana canada this year and uh, there are going to be Uh, there's going to be an epub version and there's going to be um an audio version uh, and there's going to be a online version as well uh, all these things will be announced in the coming days and weeks inshallah uh, and if i have to add uh, that was a very uh, uh, short and very good uh, um blurb by by farhan iqbal sahab about the book uh, the book does not only it is not restricted to only addressing the allegations of nabil qureshi uh that is just the i think the premise of why we wrote the book because he um the his, his motivation yeah right? it was a motivation and his book actually um, concisely put a lot of these allegations together this book actually addresses all the major allegations against islam being a violent religion like as, who, as far as jihad is concerned yeah. i mean right. this book would uh would be the go to book to understand the concept of jihad. Yeah. Okay. And you know um I have a sorry do you have one more point? Yes, uh and it also focuses on uh, like what is jihad and then where do you find the true muslims? Like the the world is looking for muslims they only see examples of ISIS or those muslims who are not practicing Islam. Who are the true muslims? So we also represent uh the Ahmadiyya Islam in this book and also the the how uh, our uh, khalifa of uh, islam hazrat uh, mirza masrur ahmed his holiness uh, uh, may allah be his helper how he is engaging in the true jihad of actually spreading peace around the world okay you know and i i, I think you know i have so many more questions but i think we can keep going on and on and i think that part of what the idea of this this podcast was to give a flavor of some of those things and then to invite you to think more about some of these questions that are coming up and i think that you know in future episodes we can talk more about those questions but once again you know we invite you that if you have any other questions please do reach out to us at the conviction project@gmail.com and also you know if you would like to talk about anything with the conviction project team to email us as well because we are always looking for more bright and intelligent people like Dr. Tasif Khan said to to come talk to us because i think that we need to change the way uh we um conceptualize a lot of things and we need to change the way that we're 
um, Islam is portrayed. And this is one way to do it is by inviting this counter narrative. And we need to make this counter narrative stronger and stronger. So if you have any other questions, doubts, do email us at theconvictionproject at gmail.com. Once again, this is The Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. Salli ala nabina Salli ala muhammadin Salli ala habibina